Welcome to the sermon podcast of Southside Baptist Church, a body of Christ located in beautiful Norman Park, Georgia. We are so glad you chose to listen in today. It's our prayer you would find the message of Jesus Christ compelling and uplifting, and that your life would be changing continually from hearing the Word of God. If you would like more information about our church or would like more digital content, please feel free to check us out on the web at southsidenp.org. And now for today's message. Turn with me, if you will, to the book of Acts. You might be saying, oh, wait a minute. What about Joshua? Well, we're going to get back into Joshua We're going to take a little uh, break for a couple of weeks. We're going to be in Acts uh, this Sunday and in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 11 uh, next Sunday. So we're just going to take a little bit of break from Joshua. Uh, God led me to this message uh, this week, so I wanted to make sure that uh, I was obedient uh, to his word. Have you ever wondered what happened to the ordinary? What happened to the ordinary? That's the title of our... Uh, the message uh, this morning, what happened to the ordinary? Um, we, we, we seem to have lost that concept. And so we're going to see that uh, this morning. What I want you to do this morning is this, two things. One, as an individual, I want you to think about your walk with Christ. And if you have a walk with Christ, if you don't, I want you to, 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 to respond to the conviction of the Spirit as a believer, as a church member, you know, how do you stack up to what we're going to talk about uh, this morning? How's your devotion? Okay. What kind of nature do you have as an individual? And then once you do that, once you process that, I want you to think about it as a church. Okay. Think about Southside Baptist Church and how do we stack up to the ordinary? The ordinary is going to be that original church, the church that God had established back in the book of of Acts. So those are the two things I want you to think about this morning. So if you found that passage, I didn't tell you what it was, did I? Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Please stand as we honor the reading of God's Word this morning. Luke writes this, he says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Father God, we come to you this morning as we prepare to hear from you, Lord. Lord, I pray that that we uh, open again our hearts and our minds, Father, and that we are able and willing to receive this morning what you have for each and every one of us as an individual. But not only as individuals, Lord, but as a church uh, as well. Father, we thank you, and we love you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. What has happened to the common? What has happened to the typical? What has happened to the normal? 
What has happened to the biblical? But what has happened to the ordinary? When I look around at many of the churches today, I can't help but wonder what prompted the current picture of that particular church. What prompted the current ministries? What prompted their their current uh, situation uh, in the midst of that particular church? Words like radical. Words like awesome and epic and extreme. Over the top. Alternative. Groundbreaking. New age. Edgy. And the list could go on and on and on. Those are words that describe many of our churches today. Unfortunately, much of this type of radicalism, this this what I call extremism, all right, is at the expense of what? Sound doctrine, okay, and theology. We set aside the doctrine of God, we set aside sound doctrine and theology for that extreme worship service, or that radical worship service, or that edgy worship service. It's more about that external experience and less about that internal transformation, which what which is what the gospel of Jesus Christ is all about. Transforming hearts. Right? Transforming hearts. You know, words like ordinary, typical, common, normal, and biblical no longer seem to characterize the church of today. We seek the next big, big, next big thing. We seek the next big event. We seek the well-known and highly educated staff people. And at face value, listen, those things are great. Those things are, are good. But if we take those things, if we think about those things, and we put those alongside theology and sound doctrine, and those things went out, then there's a problem. There's a problem. I don't make a mistake of thinking that this is a new thing. This is not a, a new thing. Many have thought that this this way for, 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 for centuries, really, back to the 18th and 19th century. The thought was that religion, this is what they thought, that religion, to be valid, there needed to be some kind of high impact, okay, high energy, and emotional element. Methods, experiences, and feelings all trump sound doctrine and theology. What about God? Okay. What about Jesus? What about the experience of, of we have with Jesus Christ? And this has continued in through the day. We see many of these kind of areas. We've lost infiltrated our church today. They've lost the common. We've, we've lost the ordinary. We've lost the typical. And more importantly, we've lost the biblical. Right. We've lost the biblical. We're no longer satisfied with that slow and oftentimes ordinary and common way God desires to use His church. But let me tell you, God is not ordinary, okay? And God is not common. But the great thing about God is He uses the ordinary and He uses the common to do great things in and through us. Now our scripture passage this morning, we, we see that this comes right on the heels of the, uh, the apostle Peter's, uh, the first sermon basically there in, in Acts. You know, Peter's message, it had a high impact. It was, it was, there was a huge impact on those who were listening. Those, they asked over in verse 38 and said, Peter said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of the, of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone uh, whom the Lord, our God, calls to 
himself. We see here the development of the early church. Notice what it says in uh, the, the verse 41. It says, so those who received his word were baptized and there were added what? On that day, 3,000 souls. Was it because of a big event? Well, yeah, you could probably consider Peter's sermon a big event, but it wasn't because we had bouncy houses and blow ups and all those other things. It was because Peter did what? He shared the gospel message of Jesus Christ and lives were transformed by that message. By that message. And we see the foundation of the church. This is where the the church built. And all these folks gathered together and they were of one mind and one of accord. And so we see that foundation. And I want us to look at that today. And I want us to compare that again to our individual lives. But I want us to look at it as a church as well. Where do we stack up with the original church? Where do we stack up with the original? The common? The ordinary? The point this morning is this. The foundation of the early church was ordained and established by God through the work of the Spirit. And for us, it's the same thing, church. The same God-ordained and Spirit-led foundation found in the early church should be the foundation of the church today. It should be the exact same thing. So we're going to look at several things this morning. Four things uh, in particular as we unpack Scripture this morning. We're going to see those foundational characteristics of that ordinary church. Number one. Number one, let's look at the devotion of the church, the devotion of the church. Look at verse 42. And they devoted the they there. It's the 3000 souls. It's those souls that have been added by God because their hearts have been transformed. Their lives have been transformed by the message of Peter mainly, but by God himself, their hearts had been convicted and they were added to the original 120. So you have 3,120 souls. They were a part of the kingdom of God, the church. It was an amazing work of God. It was a powerful work of God. Done through the obedience of his servant, Peter. Now, we oftentimes look at Peter and we put Peter up on a pedestal. But you know what? Peter was ordinary, just like me and just like you. And if we look at it from the standpoint of what Peter did, we're looking at it from the wrong point of view. You know what Peter did? Peter was just obedient to the word of God. That's all he did. That's all he was. He was just obedient to God's word. And 3,000 souls were added to the kingdom. Devoted. These folks devoted themselves. That means to give constant attention to. To adhere closely to. To attend to. Continually. This is actually the focal point of the entire uh, the passage of scripture that we're going to talk about today. What follows is basically a product of this new devotion that these believers were experiencing. This was the lifestyle that would continue to go with them on and on and on through the rest of their lives. It would continue even in the midst of persecution. Even in the midst of being dispersed. Even in the midst of leaving the area for other reasons. Their devotion had been changed. Their lives had been transformed. Why? Because of the gospel message of Jesus Christ. They were not devoted to Christ prior to this. But their lives had been changed. When we are saved, our devotion changes. We're no longer devoted to the things that were previously occupied our, our lives and our minds. Or we shouldn't be. We're not truly saved. So maybe the reason that we've lost sight of the common in the church, we've to devoting our lives to things that are contrary to the word of God. 
But what do they devote their lives to? Well, it says right there. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayers. The apostles' teachings, they were basically the words of God. The apostle there, it's, an, it's a messenger, one sent forth from orders with orders from God, an ambassador of the gospel. These are men of God. They'd been entrusted with God's word and they were in turn to give that word to the, to the people. We no longer have apostles today. We have ambassadors. We're all ambassadors for the gospel. We have pastors who preach the word of God and give the word of God to the people. But what was this teaching? The teaching was the word of God. It was the gospel message of Jesus Christ. It wasn't a watered down gospel. It was the very words of God. It was the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. It was the God centered teaching. It was the teachings of Jesus that the, plus what they had, had been taught by the, the, the apostles had been taught by Christ. Plus the, the, the 40 days of his uh, resurrection appearances. So it was all those things wrapped up in the teachings of the apostles. It was the word of God. Right? It was the word of God. But prior to this change, they didn't devote themselves to the word of God. They didn't devote themselves to the word of God. But when we're saved... Our devotions should change. Our devotions should change. So they were devoted to the word of God. They were devoted to the apostles' teachings. This new, this fledgling church was devoted to the truth. The truth is the very foundation of the church. I mean, think about it. What what are we going to base our, 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 our church upon? You're either going to base it on the world or you're going to base it on the truth. The truth being the gospel. The truth being the word of God. One commentator says this about scripture. Scripture is food for the believer's growth and power. And there is no other. It's the word of God. First Timothy 3.16. All scriptures breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Their constant devotion was to the word of God. Presented to them by those called by God. It was no longer the world and the things of the world. And when we devote ourselves to the word of God, our devotion will have a direct impact on our lifestyle. The second thing, fellowship. Fellowship. Fellowship is the Greek word koinonia. Koinonia means participation or sharing. It means community. It means intimate fellowship. In with other believers means this koinonia is the fullest possible partnership and fellowship with God and with other believers. This koinonia with God is a real and personal encounter with the living Christ and surrender to him as Lord. If you're taking the experience in God study, you should recognize that definition because it came straight from the experience in God book. This is more than potluck dinners. This is more than social uh, activities. This is more than fellowship meals. Those are simply the product of our koinonia. It's the product of our fellowship. Notice the corporate nature of this fellowship. Fellowship was originally designed was a, for corporate fellowship among, among believers. You know, God has no desires for believers to remove themselves from the fellowship of other believers. That's not God's desire. God's desire is for the fellowship of believers, for us to come together like we did yesterday and this morning and fellowship with one another. This was active fellowship. 
I've used this phrase before. God doesn't want those who are going to sit soaking sour. Okay? He doesn't want those who sit soaking sour. First John 1 3 says, That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship, that koinonia, with us. And, in, and indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. It begins with the vertical and spreads to the horizontal. The Christian life, church, is one of community, not a life of pious meditation. It's encouragement and strength come from the, uh, the fellowship of the saints. Come from the fellowship of the saints. The third thing that he says there is the breaking of bread. This refers to communion, which we're going to do next week. It's the Lord's Supper celebration. Notice this is not an option. First Corinthians eleven twenty four through 29. If you read that, and a portion of that says, and, after, and often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup. This was not an option. This was something that they did continually. This was corporate also in nature. It's not done in isolation unless something hinders it. And it has to be done in isolation. But this was for the unity of the believers. We come together for communion to celebrate the Lord's Supper as a church. It also calls for self-examination of believers as well. They were also sharing meals in their homes. They were coming together to break bread. The breaking of bread, there is, it's a constant and continual and glorious reminder of Christ's finished work on the cross. That's what they were celebrating. And as a community of born-again believers, we remember and we celebrate what the Savior did for us on the cross as well. To pray that meal together and finally he says their prayers they devoted themselves to prayers prayer is that communication with god they went from a relentless pursuit of the world to a relentless pursuit of the divine and the word the divine lifeline of the believer it's the lifeline of the church prayer there's an individual and a corporate nature there as well. Jesus expected it. Jesus modeled it. Jesus knew the importance of prayer. And Jesus did it. And we need to do the same thing. But they devoted themselves to prayer. I often wonder if the reason there is so much church discontent, the reason there's so much stress and, and struggle, is because we don't spend enough time with the Father. We don't spend enough time in prayer. We don't spend enough time in prayer. That's corporate prayer. That's church prayer. Maybe it's a lack of pursuit for what the head of the church desires for his church. John 14, 13 and 14. Whatever you ask in my name, this I do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Wherever your lifeline is attached is where you will receive your support. If your lifeline is attached to the world, you'll receive your support from the world. If your lifeline is attached to the divine, you'll receive your support from the divine. From the divine. It's just like a baby. The lifeline, when he's in that, or she is in the mother's womb, is attached to that mother by that umbilical cord. That's where that baby receives its nourishment. And the kind of nourishment that that mom gives that baby is the kind of nourishment that that baby is going to get. If it's bad nourishment, the baby gets bad nourishment. If it's good nourishment, the baby gets good nourishment. Same application. Same application.
So we see their devotion. This is where it all began. They were devoted to those to, to the proper teachings. They were devo- devoted to fellowship. They were devoted to one another. That's a novel idea. They were devoted to one another. They were devoted to the breaking of bread and they were devoted to prayers. And when that takes place, that changes the very nature of the church. And that's number two, the nature of the church. We're going to see two things in the nature, the attitude and the actions. First, look at the attitude. Look at the first part of verse 43. It said, and awe came upon every soul. And awe came upon every soul. Listen, when we have an encounter with God, the only thing that isn't of God and reverence. To be in the very presence of God. It should be like John when he was in the presence of God. He hit his knees. All there means fear and holy terror at the sense of the divine presence. It's an attitude of reverence. It's the realization that the presence of of the Lord is among us. You know what? If we as a church would have that realization that every time we walk into into this sanctuary, we're standing on holy ground. We're standing on holy ground. And we are in the very presence of the Lord. Because the Lord is in us. The presence of the Lord is here. And we should be in awe and reverence of Him. As a church. And there is no way on earth that if you have that attitude of reverence and you have that attitude of awe, there's no way that you could be the same. I mean, just from a, a worldly standpoint, I mean, how many times have you come into the presence of somebody that you thought was great? How many times have you come into the presence of a superstar, an athlete or something? And you do what? You stand in awe of that person. I've done it. I've done it. But I can't imagine standing in awe of a human being and not standing in awe and reverence of my Lord and Savior. When we as believers are transformed, just like these folks have been transformed, their lives have been transformed by God through the preaching of the Apostle Peter. And it led them to be filled with the Spirit, the very presence of God. And they were responding accordingly. They were in awe. It was in reverence of that presence. It said this. These believers were not in awe about the church building. They weren't in awe about the program or anything reflecting that human ability. Including the preaching and the teaching. They were in awe of that supernatural character of its life. They were in awe of life with Christ himself. That's what they were in awe of. That's what they were in awe of. They were not in awe of the preacher. They weren't in awe of the Sunday school teacher. They weren't in awe of the ministries of the church, the finances, the music. They were in awe of the presence of the Lord that was among them and that was in them when they were filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what they were in awe of. So I wonder, why? why let's get back to the ordinary this fantastic priest filled with the presence of God and being in awe of the presence of God instead of being in awe of the fantastic preacher standing behind the pulpit. Or being in awe of the fantastic ministries of the church. Or being in awe of the wonderful Sunday school teachers that we have. All those things are great. 
But we have those things because of the Lord. Think back to when you were saved. Can you think back to the moment that you were saved? Can you think back to 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 the months and maybe years and all those things after the moment that you were saved? Do you remember the, the, the wonder and the awe of it all? Do you remember that? Being in the presence of, of God after your salvation? Can you remember that? Man, would it, wouldn't it be great if we had a whole church full of people that had been saved for 50 and 60 years that still seemed like it was day one? That would change the world. It would change the world. Psalm 33, 8. Let the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. What do we fear, church? Are we standing in awe of the Lord? We too should have that same fear. Holy terror when we realize the very presence of Almighty God is in our midst. No matter where we are. The very presence of God is there. He's everywhere. He's everywhere. There's also the actions. Their actions change. Second part of verse 43 says, And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. 44, And all who believed were together and all had all things in common. There was wonders and signs that were being done through the apostles. Wonders there means miracles. A miracle is a thing that only God can do. The amazing thing is that God wants to do those through us. He wants to do those through us. God was doing it through the apostles. Now these miracles, they were designed to attract attention and point to spiritual truths. Remember, the the canon hadn't been produced at that time. They didn't have the scriptures. Our revelations and our miracles, all those things are seen through scripture now. We don't need the signs of wonders. We don't need the signs of uh, the, the, these things done today. So we don't have necessarily this. All that is, is confirmed in the word of God. Now, this was a specific gift that was given to the apostles. It was a gift. And so with the completion of the canon, we no longer uh, need God to speak through miracles. We no longer need God to speak through these messengers. And these messages. Now listen. Don't take that as me saying God doesn't still do miracles. Because he does. God is still the miracle worker. The question is not whether God still performs miracles today. It's whether or not the specific gift of miracles. And the specific gift of wonders is given today. That's the question. But I'll tell you this. God can do what God wants to do. He can do what he wants to do. And I'll also tell you something else. I know God does miracles. I know God does miracles. Because I held a miracle in my arms a few weekends ago. That's a miracle of God. That little baby Jolene, when I held her in my arms, that is a miracle of God. So God does miracles. He does miracles. We also see also there's the joyous and volunteer generosity of the people. Verses 44, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. 
These are those folks who had put their faith and trust in Christ, believed there. It means that saving faith. Followers of Christ. Notice this was a voluntary thing. This wasn't mandatory. They weren't told to do this. But I'll tell you this. When our devotion is changed, and we devote ourselves to the the, the teachings of God's Word, and we devote ourselves to fellowship and the breaking of bread and all those other things, when we devote ourselves to those things, then our devotion is going to change. And we're going to not be, we're not going to feel compelled to do these things, but we're going to do it out of voluntary reason because we want to help. We want to be helpful to people. This was also temporary in nature as, as opposed to something permanent. This, this, this happening was just that. It happened at this particular point in time in history. Okay. And it wasn't just, it's not an ongoing uh, thing. They didn't sell everything. And pull it together in a common pot, then distribute it. This and this wasn't a form of early communism. Okay, one because communism is not is a forced thing. It's not voluntary. It's compelled by the government. And people still had personal belongings. They had personal things. They had homes that they met in. We know that. So they still had personal possessions. So it wasn't a form of communism. But their lives had been transformed by the gospel. Of Jesus Christ. And they had devoted. The, their devotion had changed. It changed from self. It changed to others. So they shared with those. As had need. Now you need to understand the context here. The context is remember now. These folks are here for, for, for Pentecost. There's thousands and thousands. Of Jewish people here for Pentecost. At this at this moment in, in history. We know that 3,000 of those. Became believers. Most of those people stayed in Jerusalem. They didn't have families. They didn't have jobs. So they needed support. And so all those groups of people come together. Those people came together. They came together with with the, the goods that they had. And all those that had need were taken care of. They opened up their homes. They shared their resources. Some of those folks may have lost everything when they professed faith in Christ. So they had needs. And those needs were being met by the mass. Voluntarily. Because they wanted to. Not because they had to. That's a form of that Christian love. That agape love we've talked about on Wednesday nights. But think about this as an illustration. Think about the individual that loses everything in a house fire. And the church comes alongside that individual, responding to that individual and their needs with an outpouring of generosity. Or the individual that may have a terminal uh, disease or terminal uh, illness. They can't afford to pay medical bills. They can't afford to buy their medications or whatever else. The church responds with an outpouring of generosity. And we can go on and on and on with those illustrations. They not only shared materially and physically, they also shared spiritually as well. Verse 46, and day after day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. They met in the temple day after day after day. Jerusalem, that was the central location of worship for the Jewish people. That's where they all came to worship. The temple was there. The temple represented the presence of God. So day after day, they met in the temple for times of prayer and times of witnessing and times of corporate prayer and corporate uh, worship. 
They also met in their homes to share meals and fellowship. Why don't we open Southside Baptist Church up for worship and prayer every single day? That's what they did. Their devotions had changed. Their devotions had changed. No matter how busy these believers were, their fellowship was more important. Their love for one another, it was more important. Their new devotion was more important than anything that was previously held by these folks. And this should be the attitude of the new believers. Notice what they did. They, they praised God and they had, they, they, they had generous hearts. They, had, they were glad and generous. All those other things. But I can tell you what, it wasn't because of their circumstances. It wasn't dictated by their circumstances. It was dictated by their devotion. Their devotion had changed. Everything about these people had changed. And so they were devoted to things that they had never been devoted to before. There was a lack of selfishness with these folks. There was a presence of agape love. And so that leads us to our final characteristic this morning. And this, this one here, I mean, it's an obvious, an obvious outflow of what we've already talked about. It's an obvious outflow of the devotion of these folks and the nature of the church. Number three is the impact of the Spirit. The impact of the Spirit. Look at verse 47. Praising God. People were praising God. And having favor with all the people. Notice what it says. It doesn't say praising Peter, does it? No. No. It says praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. We see two things on this as well. The first thing I want you to notice is notice the reputation of the church. They had favor with all the people. Favor there means goodwill. means loving kindness. They had goodwill with the people. What a reputation to have. I often wonder, what is the reputation of Southside Baptist Church? What is the reputation of you as an individual believer? Is it a good reputation? Do people look at you with loving kindness? Do people look at you with goodwill? We obviously want a good reputation. We want a good reputation not only personally, but also as a church. Their devotion and their characteristics, their nature, it was evident to all around them. Everybody around them was attracted to these people. I mean, people probably may have been asking, man, what in the world got into that person? Or why are they so happy? Or, man, I can't believe that they're giving away everything that they've worked so hard to get. The watching world around them took notice. It took notice of what was happening. But notice the key there again. They were pleasing God and praising God. They knew it was all God. It had nothing to do with them. It had nothing to do with them. One commentator says, Every honest, upright Jew would naturally esteem these for the simplicity, the purity, and the charity of their lives. Jesus, speaking of the new covenant, he said this, By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you love for one another. But not only that, 
And I think this, as I read this passage, this is the one that really sticks out to me, the multiplication of the saints. The second thing we're going to notice about the impact of the Spirit Second part of verse 47, he said, And the Lord, does it say in Peter? No. Does it say in the preacher? No. Does it say in the Sunday school teacher? No. What does it say? And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. You want a recipe for church growth? This is it. This is it. Be obedient to the Lord. Do what he's asked us to do. Join him where he's working. Okay? And he will add to your numbers. We don't have room for 3,000 people in here. But we could try. All right, we could try. It's the work of the Lord. Because here's the thing. When God adds to a church... There's staying power in that. Power in that. Because the people come in the front door and they go out the, out the back. Their devotion had changed and God was adding to their numbers. Notice what it was. Day by day. Every day people were being added to those who were being saved. God was doing this. People... We're continually being saved. Man, that, that, that to me is just a wonderful thing. One that, that God does the growth. God does, God adds to the numbers. And two, this was day by day. This was an everyday thing. It'd almost be like me here on, on Monday through Thursday. People coming and being saved every single day. Being added to the fold, being added to the kingdom of God. Not necessarily added to Southside Baptist Church, but it'd be wonderful. But they're being added to the kingdom of God. They're being saved day by day by day. You know, what do people see when they look at us? What do people smell when they smell us? Do they smell the fragrant aroma of life? Or do they smell the stench of life characterized by those who are of the world? What do they, what do they smell? Second Corinthians 2, verses 14 and 15, Paul writes this. He said, but thanks be to God who is in Christ, always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of knowledge of Him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are, who are perishing to one a fragrance from death to death and from the other a fragrance from life to life. When we are obedient to the commands of God, church, those around us will take notice. They'll see it. We will be different in the relation to the world. We're supposed to be different. We're not. We're supposed to be. Uh, we're not supposed to be conformed to the world. We're supposed to be of the world. We'll be in the world. We're not. We're not supposed to be of the world. That difference might give us an opportunity to share the love of God with others. And when we share, God draws. The Spirit convicts, and Jesus saves. Simple as that. The individual will repent, believe, and thus become a child of God, which is exactly what we want. So the title of the message as we close was this, What Happened to the Ordinary? 
Are we a church devoted to the things the early church were devoted to? Are we devoted to the teaching of God's Word, that true biblical preaching and teaching? Are we devoted to that koinonia, that fellowship? I heard a comment made yesterday when we were doing our our work uh, around the church. The, The individual said that this is what it was like. The excitement, the fellowship was what it was like when the church first started. And I couldn't help but wonder what happened to the ordinary. What happened to the ordinary? Are we devoted to communion? Are we devoted to prayer? I wonder when the watching world and sees us as individual believers, what do they see? When the watching world looks at us as a church, what do they see? Do they say this? Have you seen what Southside Baptist Church is doing? Those of you in the experience of God study with the dudes, you, you know what I'm getting ready to say. Or do they say this? Have you seen what God is doing through Southside Baptist Church? You see the difference? You see the difference? The first one is what we as, as individuals are doing. The second one is what God is doing through us as individuals. There's a huge difference. Are we patient? Are we allowing God to work through us to bring the lost and dying world to himself? For we know it is God, not us, who add to the number, glorious, glorious number, day by day by day. So church, I'm going to ask you this morning, what happened to the ordinary? What happened to the ordinary? Let's pray. Thanks again for listening today. We hope the word preached today would be used by God mightily as you go about your week. Again, if you would like more information about our church or would like more digital content, please feel free to check us out on the web at southsidenp.org. Have a blessed day and may God grant you grace this week to grow more into the likeness of Jesus. Thank you.